Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 448. We're back with a new cruise review this week, as one of my very good friends from years gone by has went on Royal Caribbean's Harmony of the Seas, and we've got a look at, at her cruise back and what things were like on board the ship. Here we go. Anytime someone goes on a cruise, I get excited for it. I get lots of emails from folks who go on cruises, but once in a while... A good friend gets to go on a cruise. I get even more excited because, like everybody, I think we like to share in the cruise fun. And when you get to share it with friends, it's even better. And our guest on this week's podcast has been someone I've known for many, many years. And she's a good friend and has also come over to the world of cruising and loves it uh, just as much as I do. And that is my very good friend, Deb Wills. Deb, welcome to the Royal Green Blog Podcast. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for the invitation. My, my pleasure. Thank you for being here. I was... So excited. I was driving, I think we were driving home from a cruise and we were on our way back and my wife is on, I'm driving, my wife is on Facebook as usual and she sends a message, she tells me, hey, it looks like Deb is on a Royal Caribbean cruise and I was like, really? That's awesome and uh, you know, it's uh, the world's colliding as it were, but yes. uh, but I, I love this because not only, uh, obviously Deb's a friend and it was good to talk with friends, but also because uh, Deb, this is your first cruise back since the pandemic. Correct. Correct. And actually, this was cruise. I have to go back and count. It was either number 48 or 49. Okay. Most of which, especially in the beginning, were Disney. And um, it, they've just priced me out. And I don't feel like they do anything for their return cruisers, people who have been on, you know, 20 and 30 cruises. Whereas Royal Caribbean, you know, it's a toss up. There's pros and cons to both. Yep. Um, but we love Royal Caribbean. It's not perfect, but I don't know of a cruise line that is. <laughs> and um, we've just been doing good. And we had uh, we were diamond when we went on the cruise and fortunately Ooh. took advantage of the double, double, double. <laughs> so we're only eight points away from diamond plus now. Ooh. And uh, hopefully we'll take care of that very soon. Fantastic. We love hearing that. And of course, as a former uh, as a Disney Cruise Line refugee myself, uh, you're in you're in good place. You already know that. Um, so you selected Harmony of the Seas. Why did you? Two questions for you, Deb. Why did you pick Harmony? And also timing wise, this is your first cruise back since the pandemic. There had been cruises for uh, since you know July of 2021 in the U.S. So why did you pick now to go on your first cruise back? Um, I was very neurotic, for lack of a better word, and careful during COVID because I have several autoimmune disorders. And I was much more careful than Linda wanted to be. She wanted to get out and start doing things. Mm -hmm. um, but then we had friends who were on this Harmony cruise. And back in, I guess, November, they were like, you really should come. And we had other friends who had already been on two or three Royal Caribbean cruises since everything reopened. And they were like, it's fine. Just come. So, you know, as you said, worlds collide. And we went on this seven night cruise that left uh, February 20th. Uh, it was probably the last real COVID protocol cruise, perhaps. Um, and for the most part, we felt pretty good. Uh, I, I did have a few um, bumps on the elevators because <laughs> it still said six people are your party and everyone decided to jam pack. So I just stood near the front and got out when it got that way. You know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. But our, our grand suite was amazing. We were on deck. Central Park is we are deck eight there. We were on deck 10. Nice. We were one or two decks up. 
and it was perfect to, to run down there and go to Park Cafe and get coffee and maybe something for breakfast. And I thank you for that suggestion. I watched all your videos. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and took notes before I left. And um, it was extremely, extremely helpful. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, this is the full circle. I remember uh, Deb back in the day also had a former life that involved Disney as I did. And I remember distinctly in my vacation home uh, on my dial-up modem, uh, reading <laughs> Animal Kingdom tips because Animal Kingdom had just opened at Disney World. And this was on Deb's website. And I'm like, you know, we're, we're I, I'm literally yelling it to my parents as I'm writing down what we should or should not be doing. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just repaying exactly. the paper. And you're right. It, it, we've come full circle. And and I said to Linda, you have to go on Matt's page. You got to sign up for his newsletter. Everywhere <laughs> I go, sign up for his newsletter. But it's your passion from Disney has transferred perfectly to cruising and Royal Caribbean. It's really nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, you mentioned the suite there, Deb. And when you originally booked this cruise, you were not in a suite and you tried the Royal Up program. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with Royal Up and how that all worked? Sure. Um, when I booked the cruise, which was last fall, I was feeling frugal. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I booked a balcony. I know some people don't think that's frugal, but for us, and we've been spoiled with so many cruises over the years. Um, and then as it got closer and closer, it's like, oh, why don't we book a grand suite? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? So the bid up, I read everything I could on bid up, uh, cruise critic boards, what you had to say, and a friends of ours who had been on the Harmony two or three weeks earlier had bid like $250 each and got a crown loft. Uh, which was a time when there were lots of open cabinets. So I decided to look at what the price would have been had I booked it at the time last fall. And then um, what we're paying for the balcony and what seemed to be a fair price. Cause I know a lot of people, you just want to, you don't want to pay too much. So you're just going to do them a little bit over the minimum. And I thought, well, I really want this. So I bid $1,015 or something for each of us, and it turned out to be perfect. It ended up being a few thousand dollars less than we would have spent initially, but it gave us a great opportunity to stay in the grand suite. And I have to tell you, the Harmony suite people from the concierge all the way to the servers and the bus people and the, and the men who run around taking drink orders, everybody was fabulous. That's wonderful. It's great to hear that. And obviously, when you're staying in a suite, you get access to the concierge lounge or the suite lounge, I think they call it on that ship, and uh, you know all the amenities that come with it. So uh, that sounds like a great, great setup that you had over there. Um, and talk to us also about you know you so you have this awesome suite. Were you, did you try specialty dining? Were you mostly a coastal kitchen? What was your approach to dining on board? Okay, early on, there were a few of us who were you know have to check Royal Caribbean site like every day every different hour of day to see what specials there were. Cause man, those people, they just make you crazy. <laughs> yeah, here's 15% off. Here's 20% off, but you have to add this. And, yep. and so I had a spreadsheet. Uh, we actually have a, a long Trans-Pacific cruise booked for the fall. And I have a spreadsheet for that too, trying to keep track of all the different options that they offer. But we decided we were going to all do, uh, I forget what it's called, but we had specialty dining for the entire cruise. Mm -hmm. Um, so we never saw the main dining room. It worked out really well. The, one of the folks we were with had booked a suite early on. So they had concierge access and concierge took care of all of our res reservations for us. We also had, um, 
booked Coco K Club, which we absolutely loved. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I guess full price is around 180, something like that. Yep. And I'm not sure we would pay that much, but we got a great deal. It was $85 each. Wow. So, yeah, for that, we were like, uh, we're all in. And it, it blew Castaway K away. Um, I hadn't been to anybody else's private island. So I, this was all I had to compare to. And wow, I mean, we got so much food at lunch and the server was really nice. And after he got to know us better, they didn't charge us for the drinks, so to speak. Um, and we got, oh my God, we overate, <laughs> overate because it was just so amazing. And, and he was so nice and the atmosphere was just friendly. It was in a covered area, but it was clearly new. Uh, the bathrooms were close by and you wouldn't op you weren't opening a wood door to get into where, you know, people from the beach just go in. It, it, it was really awesome. So uh, we did do that. And there was plenty of seats because the, the ship was the only one in port and we were not very crowded. Good. So there was lo lots of places to sit and relax. It turned out to be a really good idea. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I think Perfect Day at Coco Key is amazing and I love the Coco Beach Club is just so nice to be able to do that. The price has gone up significantly from what you paid there. But man, if you get under $100 a person, it's a no-brainer in my opinion because it's such a... The lunch alone is pretty much worthwhile. And then, of course, you have the beautiful pool, the the beach area. Yes. Um, it's it's really nice. But the island itself has so much to offer. That's what I like. I like variety. You know, I don't like to be single-threaded. Sometimes I feel like a beach. Sometimes I feel like a pool. Sometimes I feel like just sitting at the bar and, you know, kind of just chilling out. Like, you know, it depends. I, I like having those options and those choices there and... Boy, I, I, and of course, then there's the even the complimentary food at Coco Key, I think, is really fantastic. So it's more than just burgers and hot dogs and whatnot. Right. And you have kids. So that puts a different dynamic into it as well. When your family's all traveling, and yep. I'm sure they like all the water park stuff. Yeah. You never know. Sometimes they like it. Sometimes they want to just go play with the hermit crabs of the beach. And it's hey, nothing sometimes wrong. I want to play with the hermit crabs. <laughs> <of the beach. laughs> there you go. So, um, yeah, that was great. What was your itinerary, by the way? Was it Eastern, Western? Um, you know, people kept saying, where are you going? I'd be like, I don't know. We were, at, <laughs> I didn't care. I yeah. just wanted to get back on a ship sure. and, and just go and relax. And so we were at Coco, we were at Nassau, Coco Cay, Jamaica, and then Labadee. Okay. So let's call it Eastern, but it's like not quite Eastern, Eastern, but it still counts. Um, you yeah. know, <laughs> thinking about, thinking about this now, Deb, you know, what struck you the most about being back on a cruise? You love cruising your first one back, you know, uh, what, what, what really stood out to you when you kind of walked away from that ship, probably depressed because the cruise is over, but when you walked, <laughs> when you when you're driving home, like what really stood out to you about that cruise experience, you know, today versus what it was, uh, pre 2020. Well, again, it's sort of hard to compare because the ship was not full, right? but it was as seamless as it could be. I mean, the concierge, um, or the suite staff, uh, led us to the elevator at 7.30 in the morning. So we left the ship around 7.30 and we were home by quarter of 10, uh, which was really nice. And that was dropping somebody off at the airport. Yeah. Um, seam seamless. And the porters were really nice. You know, I learned a long time ago because sometimes these people get stiffed. I always hold up whatever dollar bill it is, you know, five, 10, whatever. And uh, we're like, here we go. And I give it to them right away. And then they're our new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and they are, and they yeah. took us right to our car in the garage, and it all worked great. 
Yeah. I love the, the, the Porter service. It's like, some people get really, you know, hung up on the fact that you're supposed to tip them. And it's like, the last thing I want to do on the last morning of my cruise, which I'm half awake is start lugging all my stuff by myself over. Let someone else do that for a couple bucks. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot to take on. Plus we had, uh, we Linda, um, (laughs) enjoyed the, uh, the liquor store (laughs) and she's a big bourbon person and was, uh, she's on her way to doing the Blantons. I don't know if you drink bourbon, but there's, all these horses and different, different tops and all this different letters. Yep. So she was thrilled when we went to the liquor store the first night on the cruise and got to find two bottles she needed. Oh, so good. she, she was happy and the <laughs> prices were really good for bourbon for other things too. So good. we had an extra suitcase just for those. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, did you see any of the shows on board? We saw Greece. Oh, good. And it was interesting because I don't know what I had read, but I thought it was like 45 to 55 minutes, but this was an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Full show. And yeah, it was really good. We really enjoyed it. Uh, some of the actresses could have switched off roles. Um, and, uh, but overall it was really a lot of fun. They did a great job. The choreography and everything was awesome. And so it was a nice evening, but that's all we did. We hung out in the lounges. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I, I mean, that's I often joke, Deb, when I do a live blog um, on sea days, especially it's like my my the more relaxing the cruise, the more boring the live blog is because there's it's not exciting to be like, well, I kind of hung out and just chilled out and had drinks and, you know, shooted the breeze with friends like that is what makes cruising a lot of fun. A lot of times exactly. it, doesn't, it doesn't report that way. If you tell someone like, I had a great time, what'd you do? Well, we kind of just sat and drank all day. Like, I mean, that it's kind of yeah. fun, but it doesn't sound like it is. It was and our, our favorite bar turned out to be the rising tide bar. Hmm. And we liked that for a few different reasons. One, because every time you went to a different deck, the people sort of changed, not everybody, but people did. And we were able to get a table at one end, I guess the front end of the bar. Yep. So we didn't have people on two sides of us, which worked great. And we had a good time. It was really nice. And a couple nights, Linda closed the place. <laughs> um, but, you know, those diamond drinks come in handy. Absolutely. No, they, they really, and it's, it's incredible that that's, that they give you free drinks every night of your cruise simply for being a loyal customer. I mean, that, you know, you're talking about what, Disney doesn't do, but I mean, I, I'm not aware of any other cruise line that gives you that level of complimentary drinks for being a loyal customer. It's, it's a huge value. It is. It's a huge value. Now I know we sailed Norwegian a few years ago and they have a free drink pa- uh, package. You don't have to buy. Hmm. It's part of their promotion all the time. And so that was wonderful. Nonstop drinking, I guess, you know, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had to dry out when I got home, but it was fun. Uh, in the in the suite lounge from 11 in the morning to 11 at night for your listeners that don't know it's free wine beer bubbly sodas any of those kinds of drinks and then at five o'clock to eight o'clock it's cocktails or whatever shots you want or whatever hard liquor you want there was food out all the time Uh, it was really really nice we ended up uh, having breakfast every morning in coastal kitchen which was awesome um, really nice. Didn't have to go up to Windjammers and fight the crowds and, and all that. We ate lunch there a couple times, but it was just nice to start the morning there. Nice and relaxing, a good way to start our day. Fantastic. What was your, and, and all looking back on it, what was your favorite uh, place you ate on Harmony of the Seas? Uh, 
uh, probably Chops. Hmm. We ate there twice. We had great time. The second time we had the same server team. So they were wonderful and they got to know who we were. Uh, we went to Jamie Oliver's. It was okay. You know, nothing special, but it was okay. Um, the, wor <laughs> the worst dinner we had or I had. And I almost have to blame you because you're like, oh, it's the best filet on the ship at 150 Central Park. Um, Didn't like we, it? We, no. Well, I ended up, I asked for medium of the filet mm -hmm. and I ended up with both ends. Oh. And, you know, sometimes you, if I was pay paying, I would have sent it back at a regular restaurant. Right. But you don't want to get like two courses behind everybody else. <laughs> so did, did you at least make up for it with the fried cheesecake at 150? Yes, we did have the fried cheesecake. Right, Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. We had a great time at the Izumi Hibachi. Good. Um, we had a good time at Saber. They were a little um they were still under a lot of COVID protocols and they were very careful about a lot of things, but overall it was a good experience. Good. And uh, of course I, I had to go to vintages. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. Good. Also very nice. Great crew. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Deb, uh, before I let you go, I just wanted to uh, make a shameless plug. I hope you don't mind here. You know, knowing Deb for as many years as I have something that when she's not cruising, <laughs> I think it's safe to say that something that she spends a lot of time focusing on is breast cancer awareness. And the Susan G. Komen Foundation is something that she's raised untold amounts of money for and continues to do Actually, so. Actually, I'm sorry. It's the Avon Walk for Breast Cancer, which no longer exists. Ah, okay. I appreciate it. Well, breast sorry. cancer awareness is very important out there. So for anybody that's listening, it's always a good reminder to uh, get your checkups, make sure you know your mammograms and talk to your doctor about all that stuff. And of course, you know, donating money towards breast cancer research is always an important foundation. It's something that I know that Deb takes really seriously out there. So I just felt like, this was a good opportunity to just bring that full circle here in this conversation. Um, if you're looking thank to you. talk about that. So thank you so much. That's great. Wonderful. So we have, we have another Royal Caribbean cruise. We're supposed to do the trans Pacific in October, oh, good. which it's kind of iffy still. And when we talked to the loyalty people on board, they were like, oh, it's really going to kind of iffy. So whether, whether we go or not, we don't know. We've all sort of decided if they take away like Polynesia, that's two stops and, um, New Zealand, those three stops. If any pieces of that gets taken away, I'm not sure we'll do it. Um, but I've already been looking at other cruises in Hawaii because <laughs> we have our plane fare and we have our Alani reservations. So Good. we're going. Okay. Well, I think the, in my opinion, and who knows what the future may hold, I think it's going to be Australia or nothing like either they're going to allow it or not. And they've, they say they're opening up. So I right. think as of right now today, it looks, the chances look pretty good. And I'm hoping you're able to go on that because that looks like an amazing, Trans-Pacific cruises are just going to be, I mean, there's nothing like them in the world in that sense of the the breadth of places you can visit and the way you can do it. It Ex seems perfect. Exactly. Exactly. So we're excited. We hope all the ports of call stay. And uh, we're there's like 14 of us, I think, going on that. So we're excited. Good. Well, Deb, thank you again for joining me here. And I'm looking forward to more opportunities to talk cruising. Maybe even we can figure out, maybe not the Trans-Pacific, but another cruise that we could be on <laughs> together. That'd be wonderful too. Again, everything's about bringing wow. everything full circle back again. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate the invitation. And it's great to talk to you and all your listeners. Alrighty, friends, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I dive into the email inbox to answer the questions you've sent me. 
If you want to send me an email, you can always do so by sending it to Matt at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Our first email is from V, who writes, I seem to be confused about star and sky classes and the type of ships, specifically on the Navigator of the Seas. You can help me understand, is there a Royal Up program on Navigator, or is that just for Oasis and Quantum class ships? I don't want to be waiting around for a Royal Up opportunity that is not going to come. I'm yet not yet sold on the amenities of a suite either for this particular trip. And if we do get an upgrade to a Grand Suite or a one-bedroom, is the internet package included on Navigator, or is that just on ships like Symphony? I'd ask my travel agent, but I am the travel agent, so I'm kind of brand new, and it's my side hustle. Also, if you have a video that goes over this, I apologize. I'll go back and watch it if you just point me in the right direction. V, never apologize for the question. Good question. So, the you got kind of two things confused here, or, or intermingled, I should say. Number one, the Royal Suite class is only available on the Quantum and Oasis class ships. That refers to, not Royal Up, but that refers to the upgraded suite amenities. So, the Royal Genie and uh, some of the other onboard experiences that are only available on Oasis and Quantum class ships. Navigator, being a Voyager class ship, doesn't qualify for that. But, so to answer your question specifically, is there Royal Up on Navigator? Yes, Royal Up is available on every ship, potentially. You know, when are you get that the, that email or that option to do so can vary. You can always go to Royal Caribbean's website, and there's an option on the homepage for the Royal Up upgrades, and you can type in your reservation number, I believe, and it'll let you know if there's any available options for you. But there can be Royal Up opportunities for Navigator. And to answer your other question, if you get a Grand Suite 1 bedroom, is the internet package included for Navigator? That would not be the case uh, because it's, there's no Royal Suite class. If you were on Symphony or Quantum or, you know, Ovation, yes, that would be included. So hopefully that answers your question there. Thank you for the email. Our next email is from uh, Brian Wall. Hi, Matt. I heard the question about the MGM Resorts onboard credit on the podcast. Here's how it works in case it comes up again on a live stream. The player can enter their MLife number on clubroyaleoffers.com to find their amount of their annual onboard credit benefit. It varies. They would then enter their MLife number instead of the Crown and Anchor number. They then call a Casino Royale and the agent will add it on. This benefit cannot be combined with a discounted or full comp sailing from the casino. The MLife Platinum Complimentary Cruise Benefit is based off of play, so they may or may not receive one. If they do, the cruise varies based off of play, like room category, sailing length, ship, etc., there you go. Brian, thanks for the email. I, you know, the, the MGM combination, so Royal Caribbean and, and the MGM Casino Resorts have a partnership there, and I'm the first to admit I don't understand it quite more than the fact that there's a partnership. So good stuff there, as always. And let me tell you something, knowing Brian as well as I do, he is definitely on top of everything casino-related. I mean, he was just on Navigator of the Seas, never left the casino for seven nights. You know, his very good friend Johnny was trying to get him to go there. At the end, he just had to Photoshop him into all the photos. It was crazy, but... Uh, thank you so much for the email, Brian. Next, we have an email from Christina from Colorado. Hi, Matt. My wife and I, my husband and I, excuse me, just booked a seven-night sailing on Serenade of the Seas for Alaska for this summer with a couple of good friends. While we're debating Radiance versus Quantum Class for our first class, first trip to Alaska, we ultimately settled on Radiance and went with Serenade. However, we were a bit underwhelmed by her dated decor and look while pursuing perusing, I should say, videos on YouTube, but felt that the Alaskan views would make up for it. But in my further research on the ship, I saw that Serenade is going for a refurbishment earlier this year in anticipation of the Ultimate World Cruise with the promise to return the fleet by April. My question is, what type of work do you think she's going to receive? My thought is that they would do a whole decor theme upgrade and do a bit more than just a new paint job since she'll be the star of the world class. What do you think? World class, what do you think? Uh, Christina, thank you for the email. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to go that far. Typically, there are two types of upgrade ships get. A refurbishment or a dry dock, if you want to call it that way, or an amplification. What Serenade is getting is a dry dock. This is every, usually every five years, 
ships go in and get work under the hood done, essentially. It's more maintenance work. It's not upgrades. Maintenance work is necessary, right? You got to make sure the engines are working well, clean everything up. Good. But decor and aesthetics are just that. They're just aesthetics. Something, it's an opinion on it. I would not expect the aesthetics to be updated. They're, Royal Caribbean rarely updates the interior of their ships in terms of the aesthetics and looks. Even with the most expansive Royal Amplified program upgrades back in between 2018 and 2020, you know, they would upgrade certain areas like bars and lounges, but the actual staterooms or the public venues, hallways, rarely, if ever, got any kind of upgrade work like that. So that's not, I wouldn't expect that. That being said, I mean, listen, you're, you're right that if you were to look at Wonder of the Seas and you look at the inside and the aesthetics of that ship and you look at Serenade, they are different. And, you know, you can also make the argument that Serenades is more dated. I don't think it really matters. I think you get used to it pretty darn quickly. I think it's very functional. I still think it's a beautiful ship. The Radiance class ships in general are absolutely amazing. There's so much opportunity to see out from the ship. Lots of glass views. I've sailed on Brilliance of the Seas quite a number of times, Christina, and Brilliance and Serenade are virtually identical. And I'm going to tell you that I really feel like you're not doing yourself a disservice by going on the um, the the Serenade or a Radiance class ship for that matter. You know, there's an argument to be made all around. I could also, you know, some people might point out the Vision class, something like, ooh, that'd be really, you know, questionable. But you're you're not anywhere there. I think you're in you're in a good place. And the fact you're going to Alaska, which is so port intensive, you're going to enjoy the experience. And uh, I, I don't think it's as bad as it, you may seem or it may look just looking at YouTube videos. Remember, you know, YouTube videos are, they offer you a glimpse and I put out my own YouTube videos with tours of ships and whatnot, but they're not the end all be all. And, and I think overall, once you're on board the ship, I think you may find it to be a completely different experience altogether. Uh, Christine also writes, lastly, we booked ourselves an ocean view room on deck three aft. We've done a balcony in the past and wanted to save the extra thousand dollars to move up to a balcony and use that towards excursions, which by the way, I think is a really good idea in Alaska. I'm a bit nervous though and being on the lower decks. What are your thoughts on this? I'm a bit paranoid about noise from the dining room above or the unlabeled areas on the deck plans below. Message boards say there shouldn't be too much noise, if any, from the main dining room, especially during sleeping hours, but still, also I'm nervous about motion sickness from seeing the waves rushing by. Uh, what are your thoughts on the lower decks? It's a good question. So, the, actually, in terms of motion sickness, I can't tell, I mean, you watching the waves is a different story, but I'm talking pure motion. The best place you can be on a cruise ship is on a lower deck. Ideally, low deck midship, but lower decks versus higher decks, lower decks usually have much less of a sensation of movement. So from that standpoint, I think you're fine. In terms of the noise, I my, my general guideline is no matter what room you pick, you want to have above and below you other staterooms, not public areas, to avoid you know noise bleed. But the fact that you have the main dining room above you, I'm going to assume since you're on deck three, you know I don't know that it'll mean that much because as others pointed out, unless you're trying to go to sleep at like, eight o'clock at night, which I don't think is going to be the case. I don't think I'll have a problem at all. I've never personally stayed on a deck three cabin under the main dining room. I did. I think the first time I ever went on Brilliance, we were in an inside room, but I'm pretty sure we were not under the dining room. But anyway, uh, you did exactly what I would have done, Christine. I would have gone to the Royal Caribbean blog message boards, asked about that. And if others have said that you'll be fine, I think you'll be okay. The only thing you might want to pack maybe would be earplugs. You never know, just in case, you know, those are, it's an easy thing to do. And that might be a good way to guard against any potential issues you may have there. But um, in terms of being on a lower deck, just in general, I don't think you have a problem uh, whatsoever with, with that. So I think you're good on that front. Next email is from Marianne from Melbourne, Australia. Hi, Matt. In preparation for a resumption of cruising in Australia, I have a question about tipping cruise crew. I'll prepay gratuities, but I also want to tip extra for some crew, like the stateroom attendant. What currency should I tip in on my Royal Caribbean Sydney to New Zealand cruise in November of 2022? Australia, 
dollars, New Zealand dollars, or US dollars. Many thanks for all your advice and great information and ideas you provide via the blog, YouTube, and podcast. Marianne, thank you for the email. I don't think you can go wrong with anything. Usually US dollars are king. I mean, no one's ever going to turn those down. Obviously, as an Australian, I don't know how much access you have to US dollars. I don't think they'll look bad. And they're not going to like be like, oh, Australian dollars, you know, can't believe they gave me this. Ugh. You know, <laughs> I don't think you're insulting them by any means. But I would say in, if you're asking purely like what would be the ideal situation, I think US dollars would work because don't forget a lot of these crew members, they'd be going home to different places around the world. And, you know, US dollars, nobody... Nobody worries about that. You know, Australian and New Zealand dollars may be more of an issue for them. Granted, they could get it exchanged, I'm sure. But, you know, again, if you're asking from an ideal standpoint, I think U.S. dollars is the way to go. Our next email is from Thomas. Hi, Matt. We're cruising for the very first time, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on our stop at Nassau or on Freedom of the Seas. We've never been to the Bahamas. Thanks for any information. P.S. Really enjoy your YouTube videos. Thomas, thank you for the email. I really appreciate it. Thank you for checking out our YouTube videos. By the way, you heard Deb talk about our YouTube videos, and Thomas just talked about them as well. You can find our YouTube videos on YouTube by searching for Royal Caribbean Blog. It's just youtube.com slash Royal Caribbean Blog, or just search Royal Caribbean Blog on YouTube. You'll find it there. Anyway, uh, in terms of Nassau, what to do there, you know, Nassau is one of these ports I definitely recommend having a plan, meaning having an excursion booked ahead of time. It's not the best port for winging it. There are places where you can just simply walk off the ship and find something to do, like San Juan, Puerto Rico. Great port to do that in. Nassau, not so much. So I think for most people, you're talking about a beach day. There's a lot of good options you could do. I would say if it's your first time there, an excursion I would recommend would probably be Blue Lagoon. It's a private island, not, not the Royal Caribbean, but it's a company that does it, but it's an excursion you can book the Royal Caribbean. Anyway, it's a little island. They have a lot of beaches. You can do animal interactions if you want to. If not, you can just hang by the beach. It's really nice. Lunch is included there. Uh, either Blue Lagoon or Pearl Island are the two places I always hear very good things about. And so I would recommend uh, maybe a day over there uh, to do something uh, over there. The other compelling option people will go to is either Junkano Beach or Cable Beach or Cabbage Beach. You know, these are a little more make your own adventure, you know, get a taxi and that kind of thing. So if it's your first step, I would probably do Blue Lagoon or, or Pearl Island and maybe for subsequent visits, check out one of those other beaches over there. So Thomas, thank you for the email. Our next email is from uh, Ginger Gaston. Hi, Matt. I've been following you for a while and I listen to your podcast and watching your YouTube videos. Thank you so much for keeping us all informed, especially when something new has come along. I know you've done a back-to-back -back on Wonder of the Seas. We're doing a five-day, leaving April 15th in a grand suite. On Oasis-class ships, the suite lounge bars open from 11 to 11 for beer, wine, soda, and water, inclusive for suite guests. You can buy other liquors, drinks, or use your drink uh, package otherwise during those times. My first question is, with the new suite-only Sun Deck neighborhood, will this also be the case at the bar, 11 to 11, beer, wine, soda, or will everything else be purchased? As far as I know, Ginger, it's still the same thing. I could be wrong on that, but as far as I know, it's still the same. Your second question is, is there a specific drink menu for the Wonder Suite Lounge Happy Hours? We had heard there was on other ships, but when we were on Allure in October, they were still using the Select Lounge Drink List. I think it's still the Select Drink List for the, for the Suite Lounge. You know, I know that they opened up the, the, the Diamond Drinks to be for anything, but I'm still... I, I, Ginger, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's still the Select uh, Drinks over there in, in the Suite Lounge. And if anyone knows otherwise, please feel free to, um, you know, send me an email here on the blog and we'll we'll correct it immediately. So thanks for uh, the email, Ginger. And we have time for another email or two here, starting off with an email from Lily. Hi, we've sailed several times on Liberty of the Sea since Royal Caribbean restarted. The locker rooms, like the steam room, have been closed. Do you know if they've reopened them as part of the February 25th lifting of the COVID mask restrictions? Thanks. That's a really good question. The only ship I've been on since the restart or the loosening of protocols, I should say, is Wonder of the Season. Wonder didn't have that. I'd have to go on a different ship 
And my next cruise is on Oasis. That doesn't help us either. But I've got a cruise on Serenade. Anyway, by the, but that's already in the end of May. So maybe someone can let us know if they've been on a ship like Freedom or Navigator that has the steam rooms. Are they back open again? Because prior to February 25th, 2022, those areas were closed due to COVID. I imagine that they're open. I would imagine, I gotta think they are open, Lily, because Royal Caribbean said they got rid of all the vaccinated zones and all this other stuff. So I would think it'd be open, but I'm not 100% sure until I see with my own eyes, or at least somebody tells me that it, it's open. So... Uh, if you if you know about that, please let me know at Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I can't I can't end it on one where I'm throwing it to the audience. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, end it with a question from Tiffany J from Dallas, Texas. Hi Matt, love your podcast. Do you have any preference with selecting balcony cabins on the left or right side, or does it really matter? Great question, Tiffany. The answer, in my opinion, it doesn't matter one bit. In the Caribbean, it could not matter less as to which side of the ship. In Europe and Alaska, you'll get some people that will tell you that it matters depending on, you know, which scenery you see on one side of the ship versus another. I think it's irrelevant. I, and this is why I'm going to tell you why it's irrelevant, even in those places. The idea that one side is better than the other is based or on an assumption from the old days of cruising in which most people literally sat on their balconies and just sat there the entire day. Uh, now, that may be true on some cruise lines. I'm not sure. But on Royal Caribbean... I feel like it's not the case at all. I think more often than not, you're out and about, you're on public decks, you're on the pool deck, you're on an outer deck somewhere. So to go from one side to the other is very easy and it's not so much of an issue. And anybody said, well, Matt, I like to sit in my room. I like to sit in my balcony and read and, and knit or whatever the case may be. You know, if that's the case, you know, the problem is it's really hard to know, you know, where, number one, you know, which side your ship is gonna dock on. Sometimes they pull in, sometimes they back in. That's kind of a crapshoot. And then some people will tell you, well, if you're doing, you know, an open jaw sailing in Alaska, that's open jaws where it begins in one port and ends in another port. You know, if you're going northbound, you should be on the starboard side because then you'll have the shore on the right and the ocean on the left. And and obviously, if you're doing an open jaw southbound, the opposite. You want to be on the port side. You can make that argument. I just don't think in practice, in practice, it's really that important to have that there. When you're in the glaciers, the ship will spin around, so not as much of an issue. If we're talking Caribbean, I'll just leave it on this. I don't think it matters at all. And I think, quite frankly, even in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter all that much because I think this notion is still based or rooted in this idea of the old style of cruising. I'm sure there's some people who are very angry right now and yelling at their car. Matt, you're totally wrong. And some other people are like, yeah, he's probably right. But anyway, <laughs> Tiffany, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you have an email that you want me to read or if you have a correction or an idea, please feel free to, to send it over. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon. <laughs>